let's stretch our hands out to, to Mark. And Lord God, we give you thanks for the word that has been percolating in his heart for, for many, many hours. And we give you thanks, Lord God, for the blessing that you have for us in your word through Mark today. And we give you thanks for that to come across powerfully and in the way that you intended today. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Good morning, family. Isn't it awesome to be gathered together again as a family? So, this morning, I get to chat to you about something called true freedom. How many of you know there is a thing called an illusion of freedom? The illusion of freedom is where you think you're free, but actually you're a slave. And then there's true freedom. And what I want to talk to you about today is along these lines. And so we're going to come to a couple of conclusions. So if you want to write these down, you can. Number one, only free people, free people. Did you get that? I know it's super complicated. I'm just teasing, right? Um. It's free people, free people. Do you know that hurt people hurt people? Do you know condemned people condemn people? Do you know hurting people hurt people? So the only people who can set people free are people who know they are free. Does it make sense? So we're going to talk a little bit about that, what the word is talking around. And then secondly, there is this conflict in our lives that is, is really one that is, how can I put it? I call it, in a sense, the story of two homeschools, right? Because you get schooled in the flesh before you get schooled in the spirit. How many of you experienced that? Well, before you understand the things of the spirit, you first understand the things of the flesh because you're growing up into the flesh. And so that makes the flesh quite powerful, and it makes it powerful in a very wrong way very often. So we're going to go through a little bit of that. And then, in order for us to experience true freedom, we must keep in step with the Spirit. Now, how many of you know what it means to keep in step with? Now we'll look at that, don't worry. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to trick you. It was just... Okay, so Galatians 5.13, it says, for you were called to freedom. Do you notice that the uh, um, word there is freedom? Were you called to bondage? Were you called to slavery? Were you called to hypocrisy? Yo, you guys are very quiet there. I'm praying for you. Hallelujah. No, you were called to freedom. Does this change, this call, does it change because yesterday you had a bad day and you lost it? Absolutely not. It doesn't change. Because otherwise, it would have to then say, you are no longer called to freedom. And how many of you have read this scripture a couple of times and it always says the same thing? I know it's, it's mind-blowing, but the reality is that that's the truth. The scripture doesn't change. It doesn't bow to your experience. It stands alone and it stands eternal. Which means no matter how bad your day was yesterday, God is still calling you to freedom. Your, that's a revelation in its own. If you get that revelation, the rest is easy. Hallelujah. Because every day, the Bible says God's mercies are new every morning. Isn't it right? In fact, you heard Steve share about Jonah. And the biggest problem with Jonah was that Jonah was actually legalistic. Jonah insisted that the people should get what they deserved, forgetting that he didn't get what he deserved. He was in the belly of a whale begging for his life and God spared it. And then he wouldn't spare the people whom he had now deemed unworthy of God's mercy. So the reality is we need to grab a heart of grace 
if we want to live a life of grace. And you can't do that if you're legalistic. You can only do that if you understand God's mercy towards you. His love towards you. And realize that that love is not meant to just stay with you. It's meant to become a river that flows through you. Amen? Okay, so it says here, we are not called, uh, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Your, what does that mean? I think every one of us knows what it means. Just, before you, just because you're free doesn't mean you get to do whatever pops into your head. Now notice I didn't say whatever you want. Because whatever you want should be what he wants because he's given you the desires of your heart. And there's a difference between the thoughts that pop into your head and the truth that's established in your heart. Is that right? How many of you have noticed that things go in your head that aren't supposed to be there? Because there's only there's three voices that speak to you. You know that, right? There's your own, there's God, and then there's whatever else is trying to influence you. And it can come through the TV, it can come through the radio, it can come through your friends, or it can just fly in there. Is that right? I call those poofy thoughts. Because demons are like monkeys, they like to throw poofy things. See, demons don't know what sticks until they see how you act. Are you listening? So they can't read your mind, but they can throw enough thoughts in there to see how you act. And if you act a certain way, then they'll know what's stuck. So your flesh betrays you. So when you use your freedom for the flesh, the devil knows where your weaknesses are. How many of you have noticed that once he finds your weakness, he really hops on them? Oh, wow. Isn't that right? He really climbs on that bandwagon and rides that horse to death. So you've got two choices. He's either going to kill you with it or you're going to die to it. Woo. And if you die to it, you win. But if you let him ride you all the way to death, you're dead. You still win, but you're dead. God said something to me. He said, Mark, people can live their lives whichever way they want to, but in the end, they will either be happy the way they lived or they will be sad in the way they lived. Do you know that for eternity, what you do today matters? Man, I just, I really want you to understand that. When I first heard this statement, they let our actions echo into eternity. I realized that God was also telling me at the same time that whatever you do today matters forever. See, you think that oh, this is just a, a little life here, it's a splash in the bucket, you know, when you're 80 and you used to be 40 just yesterday. Or when you're 40 and you used to be 20 just yesterday. <laughs> right? You realize how fast time flies. And you think this life is quite insignificant because of the fact that life is so fleeting or so fast. But the reality is what you do here is the only place where you store up eternal rewards. And so what you do here matters forever. So what's done to you here doesn't matter. What you do here matters Oh, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. I haven't even got past the first verse. Okay, so don't give an opportunity to the flesh, but through love, this is an important word, isn't it? Love, serve one another, not through obligation, not through legal requirement, not because you're on duty. You guys remember watching um, that movie uh, with that little girl on the big oaf? It's called again, uh, used to be my, favorite, my daughter's favorite movie, Candy Crush or something like that. What was it called? No, it was with, 
Wreck-It Ralph and Sweets, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So you guys remember that movie at all? Okay, well, that, that point goes out the window. Okay. <laughs> in, in, in that movie where this little girl is trapped in a game and she has to play this race over and over again, um, another gaming individual comes into the game and, and starts to help her. He didn't do what he did because he had any legal requirement to do it. He did it because he wanted to help her because he loved her. You see, fathers don't lay down their lives for their children to go ahead of them because they think it's an obligation. They do it because they love them. Jesus didn't come to set us free so that we could have an excuse to still be slaves. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. The good news is you don't have to remain one. Even if you sinned yesterday, you don't have to remain a slave because you've already been set free. But if you use your freedom for the flesh, you will end up producing problems around you. How many of you know that the the flesh is governed by a primary principle called self-preservation? If you try and hold your breath, your body will literally, it will literally knock you unconscious and start breathing again. Okay, you cannot kill yourself by holding your breath. Your body will not let you. People in water, when they go underwater and they're holding their breath, The reason they drown is because the body forces them to breathe. So your flesh is pretty powerful. It's got a lot of mechanisms built in. Now it's understandable that the flesh is powerful because it's trying to keep you alive. That's a good thing. You don't want it to not want to keep you alive, right? I mean, that's what keeps you here. That's what gives you authority in this realm right now is the flesh... Because the spirit alone cannot do things. It has to work through the flesh. Otherwise, God would have just done everything himself. Why would he work through us? You understand there are spiritual influences that are fighting for your attention. And they are trying to get you to manifest the reality that they want to manifest. And you are either participating with the devil in his plan to manifest the evil he wants manifested, or you are participating with God to manifest heaven on earth. You are either living in a lie or you're living in the truth. And this is an important thing because many people have used their freedom as an excuse to do things that are sinful. And this, the Bible is very clear saying, do not. Use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Isn't that right? And listen, I'm not convicting you. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. I'm not judging you. The Word is judging you. I have no judgment on anyone in this room. Do you understand me? Okay? What I'm saying is, the Word is saying, if there is something in your life that you know it's the flesh, then God is saying, I freed you from it, Don't go back into bondage under it. I didn't free you to do it. I freed you to live free from it. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall like your neighbor when they're nice. You shall hopefully be kind to your neighbor. Oh, wait, let's just, let's just get past the first phase. You shall greet your neighbor. 90% of us don't do that. How many of you know the person next door? I'd say about 25 to 30%, depending on how long you've lived there. Am I right? The reality is we live very isolated lives, very kind of exclusive lives. 
because we have a culture that's quite isolated. And so unless we break out of that isolation and become more community-orientated, we're not going to build the kind of communities we see in the Bible. Everyone wants Acts. They want the community in Acts. They want what happened in Acts, but they're not a community. And they still want my room, my space, my privacy, my time. And community doesn't work that way. Community is us. It's not me. Jesus saw us. He didn't see him. And because he saw us, he laid his life down for us. And then we saw him. Come on. Now you can all clap at that. That's pretty good, actually. Amen. Okay, so for the whole, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I like to include as well Jesus' words where he said, This commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And the reason I like that one a bit better is because if you hate yourself, right, your love for yourself is very low. Isn't that right? And so if you love your neighbor as yourself, but actually you hate yourself, then you end up hating everyone around you. And so I'm talking about loving your neighbor, right, the way that Jesus loved you. Can you do that? <laughs> right. But if you bite and devour one another. Now, this is interesting. I don't know. I've never been bitten by anyone. But I have felt quite bitten at times. <laughs> have you ever felt that way? Quite bitten? And we don't want to be a community that is so hung up on looking at one another's faults that we're constantly trying to push one another down. We want to be a community of people who are looking at what God has put in us and drawing out the best in us. That's why the Bible says that we should forgive one another, that we should walk in forgiveness, and that we should walk in peace with one another. So that we can build the community strong in the power of His grace. Okay, so that deals with the one section of freedom. The spirit versus the flesh is a kind of not 100% accurate because you can't deny your flesh its existence and you can't deny your spirit its existence. So it's not a clash of the titans kind of illustration where these two are 100% at odds. The only time the flesh and the spirit are at odds is when the flesh is dominating the spirit instead of the spirit dominating the flesh. Okay? So that means that, the, that your soul is geared towards obeying the impulses and desires of the flesh more than it is geared to, to tuning into the impulses of the spirit. And you've all experienced both of these. When you, know, when you feel really strongly that you have to go and give someone that word or you have to go and pray for that person or you, have to go, you feel that very strong push, that's when the spirit is pushing really hard. Unfortunately, the flesh is so well-tuned, it doesn't have to push very hard. And so you end up kind of being pushed along by the flesh more than you are being pushed along by the spirit. And, and so we need to have a look at this concept because there's something very fundamental here. Paul is going to be addressing some really horrific, deep sins. And if you don't hear me properly, you'll think that God's looking for a way to get you out of the kingdom. When actually all he's trying to do is help you see what the result of true freedom looks like. True freedom doesn't... True freedom is where these things that he will mention later are no longer a problem because you are so in tune with the Spirit. Okay? And so, for that, you cannot be in tune with the Holy Spirit if, number one, the Holy Spirit cannot abide in you. So first thing you have to recognize is that He does abide in you. And we're going to get to some of that, alright? So hopefully you're getting this so far as to how far I'm going with the spirit versus the flesh. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Alright. 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, there's the answer, guys. I can go home now. Now, how many of you have read this? Have you read, have you read this in your Bible? Okay, and if you've read this in your Bible, does it seem pretty simple, the statement? But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sounds like he's giving us the answer. The way out of, you know, the way out of never sinning again is to just listen to the Spirit. So the question, the first question you have to ask yourself is, if Jesus has set me free, how free has he set me? Because if he's only set me free, 70, 80%, so that when I die and I go to heaven, then I'm finally free. Then my freedom is dependent on another death, not on his death. And I either believe that what Jesus accomplished was complete, or I believe that it was kind of complete. It was kind of just a stopgap until one day when I'm dead. Because my true Savior is death. And this is the problem that a lot of people have. They have what's known as postponement theology. Everything that they don't see right now that's possible, even though all things are possible to those who believe, whatever they see as not possible, they always put out until after they're dead. Even if it's promised it now. And this is a big problem. Because the minute you say, God is going to do something, or something is going to happen, do you know that it's an indefinite period of time? That means that indefinitely you'll be waiting for it to happen? So if you say, God is going to send rain, when? No, He's going to send it. When? No, he's going to send it. You will say he's going to send rain until the cows come home. That is not a statement of faith. A statement of faith is rain in Jesus' name. Does it make sense? No, don't, not now. I'm just, I'm just illustrating. Okay, so, <laughs> it's happened like that before. Right, so, so, so here's the thing. I, I really want you to grab a hold of this because what we need to realize is that in all of what we're doing, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. And the only way that we can keep in step with the Spirit is if we understand, right, who we are. Who God has called us to be. Okay, so watch this. It says, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you understand who you are, then it's easier to walk in who you are in order to not have to worry about who you never were meant to be. God never created you for sin. If he did, you wouldn't die from the effects of sin. Romans chapter 6, chapter 5, the fruits... Of sin is death. So before anyone disputes that, that's a fact. Sin in the world and sin in your life has a negative impact on the physical world around you. It's a fact. It's biblical. It's historical. All the way from Adam to Moses, we witnessed it. But now we have a greater law. So from Adam to Moses, we saw this law of sin and death. Am I right? Okay, so if you've got your Bible here, can I see it? Not to shame anyone else, I just want to see how many of you have got Bibles. Okay, in your Bible, please go to Romans chapter 8. I have to bring this in here in order to give you more detail on what I'm saying. Okay, because this will give you even deeper reference to what I'm talking about. Now, in Romans 7, what Paul has done is he's explained how... Under the law, people are hopeless because the thing they want to do, they can't do. 
because there's something that's come alive in them called sin. And this thing is actually described as a noun, not a verb. So sin is not an action. It's actually a person or a place or a thing. It's a noun. Okay? And that means that sin is constantly crouching at your door and its desire is to have you. But you must master it. Amen? All right. So watch this. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Just read along with me in your Bibles. The first thing we always like to quote, right? There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice, in isn't out. Yeah? Okay, the, the little word in there means in. That means we are inside of, we believe in, we have climbed into. We have positioned ourselves by faith in Him. So if only when we are recognizing that we are in Him and that He is in us, only then is there no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life. Now can you underline that in your Bible? The law of the Spirit of life. Has delivered you, set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So the law, the spirit of life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. So that means that you are under a law, but you are under a law of the spirit of life. Which means it's the law of the spirit. Now, if you rely on the flesh, you immediately exit living under the law of the Spirit, and you begin to live under the law of the flesh. Do you understand that? It, I, I just hope this is making sense. Let me just read a little bit further. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Do you notice that there's this, there's this very um, close kind of connection between what is written in Galatians and what is written here in Romans? And Paul is unpacking a lot more of it in detail here than what he's really giving them here in Galatians. Because he's primarily trying to target them on the fact that going back to the law is a bad idea because when you go back to the law, you become a slave to your flesh. Okay, look here. When you go back to the things you should not do and you're trying to not do them, you're trying to do in the flesh what Jesus already accomplished on the cross by his flesh. Okay, so I understand this. I'm not insulting anyone. What I'm saying, though, is that when it comes to a sense of arrogance, often we don't even understand how arrogant we are. It took Jesus his whole life to defeat sin, and then we think we can defeat it in our own strength. Do you understand that level of arrogance is it's not we've all done it i'm not trying to put it on anyone i'm just trying to show you that we try and do in our limited fleshly capacity what only god in the flesh was able to do for us the blood of christ was spilled and then he went and sanctified the holy places in heaven so that the accuser's mouth would be stopped for all time that's why the devil no longer has authority to enter heaven. He can no longer accuse us before the Father. We now have an advocate instead of an accuser. Are you hearing me this morning? We have an advocate, the high priest Jesus Christ, who can identify with our weaknesses because he has lived our lives. He knows the struggles that we have faced. He knows how hard it is to have the flesh try and control you. But you have been given something far greater than the flesh. You've been given the Holy 
Spirit. Amen? And so it says this here, okay? This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. In, in Romans 8, verse 29, it says, For those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. It means that you are brothers with Christ. He is the firstborn that He may be preeminent in all things, but He had made a way for us to all become children of God, the sons and daughters of God. And because of that, we carry His Spirit. The Bible says, in the same chapter, if you jump back up to verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. So now, guys, was there anything Jesus was not willing to suffer for our sake? Then should there be anything that we would not be willing to suffer for his sake? But we are so internally focused about what we're going to get out of God that we forget that he already got us. He already got us. You see, Jesus has purchased you. Out of slavery. Does that make sense? Okay. So we, we are able to walk in step with the Spirit if we understand who we are. Do you understand that this is a conversation that he's having about the, trans, the, the transition between the old covenant servant-based mentality, the servant relationship that there was, and this new relationship of sonship that we now have in Christ. Okay? And that's why he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. This morning I rolled out of bed to get here. Because I went to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. So, how many of you felt tired this morning when you woke up? How many of you said, ah, I don't want to come to church today? Anybody? All right. But guess what? What was speaking? Your flesh. Your flesh was saying, comfort me. Look after me. Feed me. Stroke me. Make me happy. I'm your puppy. That's what the flesh does. It wants you to care about it above everything else. But no one achieves much by bending the knee to the flesh. Even in the natural, people who tell the flesh what to do, athletes, people who are focused on their careers, focused on their purpose, what they want to achieve, they still put their flesh in check. They limit what their flesh can and can't do. And they tell their flesh to do more of the stuff the flesh doesn't want to do. It's called training. Like you train a dog. No, bad boy. Don't do that. Isn't that right? Now you can't, listen, if you're a slave to sin, and sin controls you because it's working in your members, then you can try train this thing as much as you want. You're going to go nowhere. But when you rely on the Spirit and the flesh tries to resist the Spirit, you say, uh-uh-uh, flesh, you come in line with the Spirit. That's why you, you're here this morning, because you won. Can you say, I won? Yeah, flesh, did you hear that? I won. Okay, because you are not a body. This isn't you. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives inside of a body. This body will be transformed and changed. You will have a new home one day. 
an immortal body in the future. You will have it. When we see Jesus and everything is brought to an end, we will have a new body. Can I see by hands how many of you believe that? Okay, just so that everyone can see, I'm not talking about something that no one else believes here. Hallelujah. So the reality is we will go from this mortal body to an immortal body one day, right? And that means that this body has to be brought into subject, has to be subjected to the will of the Spirit. The Spirit has to be in control. So watch, it says, the flesh is against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to. No, I really wanted to come to that conference, but I woke up in the morning and I just didn't feel like going. Really. And then because I didn't feel like going, I thought, what excuse can I have? Looked outside the window. Yeah, it's pretty cold out there. Or, yeah, it's going to go quite late. I don't think I can really do that. Who do you think is talking? Does the Spirit have these vulnerabilities? Does the Spirit have these limitations? No. Your flesh is trying to get you to buy into its excuse so that it can rob you of the blessings that will come to you by exposing yourself to the Spirit. Okay, let me give you another one. I don't really like that preacher, so I'm not going to church this Sunday. That is the flesh. It is not the Spirit. Does it make sense? And if you feel that that is a correction for you, take it. We all need it sometimes. To be reminded that the flesh mustn't be in control of your life. If you are harboring unforgiveness and bitterness towards someone, then that's the flesh. Because the flesh sees someone as a threat. And so because that person's a threat, immediately all the vile starts to come out of people's mouths. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, in Romans 8, it also says that those who are constantly and continuously led by the Spirit are the sons of God. What does it mean? Does it mean that if I'm not hearing a little whisper in my ear all the time, then somehow I am not saved? No. What it means is that when I understand the general leading of the Spirit, which is here, I can be open to the specific leading of the Spirit, which is whenever. But I'm always going because it generally says go. And I'm always available to change course because He guides me along the way. Does that make sense? So leading is not something you wait for. It's something that comes to you while you're already going. Okay, how many of you know that a stationary vehicle is harder to turn than a moving one? Yeah, so get moving. Most people are waiting for God to bless their blessed assurance before they start moving. Don't do that. God has already put His Spirit in you. If you start moving, He'll direct you. Amen? Stay open to direction. Paul the Apostle was already on a journey when the Holy Spirit showed him not to go into certain places. And the one time there was a prophetic word that came that showed him that anywhere he went, he would get locked up and bound. And he said, thanks, but I'm still going. How dare you, Paul? You should listen to the Holy Spirit. No, maybe we didn't have the benefit of, he didn't have the benefit of our superior theology. So, you know, we'll just excuse him for that one. Because that's how people think about it. They think they know better than Paul. They haven't even made the sacrifices Paul's made. They haven't even tried to live the life Paul lived. And they want to judge him. Yes, I promise you that is one thing that gets me. (laughs) Jesus help. Hallelujah. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, can we reverse that? Can we reverse that statement, guys? 
You are under the law if you are not led by the Spirit. Do you see that? So if you are not led by the Spirit, you are under the law. So any, any point in time where you are doing what the flesh wants instead of what the Spirit says, you are coming back under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Yo, here we go. Everyone, plug your ears. <laughs> because this is the stuff no one wants to read. Everyone skips this part. Notice he doesn't say that um, these are your, that's, this is your inheritance, right? <laughs> he says this is the works of the flesh. In other words, what the flesh ends up doing. Am I right? So it's evident, right? Sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? When you're doing sex the wrong way. Isn't it? Oh, so you mean sex can be perverted. It can be done the wrong way. Maybe that's something to think about. Sorry, I'm just skipping through that very quickly. (laughs) Wait, where am I now? (laughs) Sorry. Okay, here we go. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. What is sensuality? Anything that makes you feel good? Idolatry. Sorcery. Yeah, no one reads their horoscopes or no one, you know, messes around in there. Oh, this one's even worse, right? Enmity. You know when you don't like what someone has to say and then you start putting stuff on Facebook to make them look bad so you can feel better about yourself? Enmity. The same thing that God had against us when we sinned against Him. And then He paid the price so that we could be free from the enmity that was between us and Him. Which means that as believers, we should pay the price to restore relationships in spite of the fact that there might be enmity. Isn't that right? Okay. What's this one? This one here. Strive, your jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. So if anyone comes and tries to divide stuff, tries to bring... You know, you know, bring those who are in a position of authority in disrespute just so that they can knock them down. All that stuff. What is that all about? That's the works of the flesh because people are feeling threatened so they have to protect themselves. Because hurt people hurt people. But free people, free people. Right? Watch this. And, I'm not going to talk about that. Things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They what? They might inherit the kingdom of God. So what is he saying? If you give into the flesh, you don't believe that God has done for you what he said he's done for you. Do you understand what that means? Jesus said, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. How many of you believe in him? Can I see your hands? Okay, so if you believe in him, then automatically these things are not supposed to be in your life. Because you're in him. Now, if these things are in your life, what am I telling you to do? Put them away. I'm not asking you to come and tell the whole world about how bad you were. Put them away and believe the truth. Repent from dead works and believe the truth. That you are who God has called you to be. We have been called to be conformed to the image of His Son. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now you see the square bracket? You see that? See that square bracket there? Everyone see it? That square bracket there continues to... uh, Sorry, I missed it. There. Okay? Right? Why? Because love has the fruits of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. Love is the fruit. Do you understand that? You see, the Bible says that in Ephesians 4, that all the gifts are given to build the body up into the unity of the faith so that we all may be built up in love. Why? The goal of all our instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. The whole point of everything God is trying to do is to get you to see that you were destined to be love on the earth, not to look for it, not to search after it, but to be it. And that's why this is a contradiction to the previous statement. Because if you realize who you are in Christ, that your nature is God's nature, that God has given you the nature that He has, which is love. In 1 John 4, it says, those who abide in God abide in love and love abides in them. We are created after the image and likeness of God, which means that the same nature that He has, we have. But we haven't cultivated it because the flesh has taught us how to live and we haven't listened to the Spirit and we haven't done our due diligence in becoming obedient to the Spirit, to our true nature. I hope this is helping you. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So daily, You should stand up and say, flesh, you have been crucified. You have no right to tell me anything. Today, the Spirit guides me. Amen? So guys, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we choose to say, I believe in Jesus, His Spirit lives in me, and I'm one with Him, then I need to walk as if I'm one with Him. The biggest problem in the church today is people who say they love Jesus but live like they love the devil. People are watching you. They're watching what you say. They're watching what you do. They're watching where you go. They're watching you. Because one day when they're really looking for God, you might be the only version of Jesus they've ever known. Do not underestimate the fact that we are all living epistles. That means we are books written by our experiences with God that are stories that are willing to bring forth the mysteries and the glory of God's provision in grace so that we may enter heaven and be one of His. I I, I want you to receive this with grace because it's only grace that can empower us To live by the Spirit. And it's only grace that can deliver us from the works of the flesh. Notice this. Whether you do good things in the flesh or whether you do bad things in the flesh, they don't matter. Only thing that matters is the Spirit. And doing from the Spirit with the flesh what needs to be done. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying that your flesh isn't important. I'm just saying that your flesh has to be controlled by your spirit. The spirit is the dominant force because you are one with the creator. He lives in you and he wants to rule over this flesh. Your flesh was made from the earth. God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then he took that earth and he brought his life into it. And he gave that earth Authority and dominion over the earth. Unless we can get to a place where we walk in step with the Spirit so that this earth can be dominated, how will we change this earth? The kingdom starts here and it works out from here to here to here to there. So I hope that you've understood this this morning. There's a reality to this gospel. It's not just a what I believe. It's a what I believe has changed my life. A true transformation by the power 
of the Holy Spirit and God. So let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So in other words, let us not become arrogant and proud towards one another. Let us understand that we're all here by grace, that it's the same Spirit that empowers us, and that we've all been set free by the same grace. Amen? Now this morning, guys, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to remind every single one of you of the fact that the Spirit that lives in you is far greater than the flesh can ever be. And so you might have been facing some challenges in your life. Maybe there's some things that you've been struggling with. Or maybe you just want to walk in step with the Spirit in a higher degree of accuracy. Jesus' life is the model. And so I'd like to pray with you, for all of you, for both that you would start to walk in step with the Spirit, and also that as you continue, that you will continue in more accuracy. Who of you would like that? So if you can all stand up, then that will be great. Let's close our eyes. Father God, I thank you right now that you have given us the most precious and most beautiful gift we could ever, ever, ever have imagined. You have given us yourself. You have put yourself in us so that you can govern every step of our lives. So that it would finally be true that we would be your people and that you would be our God. And Father, we thank you for this today. We thank you that your spirit is constantly working to conform us to the image of your son. So every single person here that is standing is on this journey of walking in step with the spirit so that the desires of the flesh no longer dominate our lives. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for your work that you do in every single one of us. And as you see the hearts of people here this morning, will you increase their accuracy? And for those who have not begun yet, that they will begin to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit in everything they do. Holy Spirit, that you will guide them, give them wisdom and direction, Angels, that you will protect them from their own harm and look after them in Jesus' name. Amen.